Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, we have actor and comedian Moses Storm. We were so excited to finally get Moses on the podcast that we really wanted to have him on the show for a while now. And uh, yeah, we were finally able to lock him down. Uh, Austin got to know Moses on the set of Youth and Consequences that they were both in together. Uh, I had been watching Moses do stand-up for, for a while now. The first time I saw Moses performing stand-up was actually on Conan. And then I would see his name pop up on different shows and stuff for Meltdown. And it was great to finally be able to sit down and talk with him. Uh, most recently, Austin and I were able to see Moses do his show Up and Up down at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, Up and Up is a big show here in Los Angeles that's put on by Team Coco. Uh, they host it at, uh, at Dynasty Typewriter out here. And they've got a huge show coming up. It's their last one of 2018, uh, while Conan and everybody kind of goes away to get ready for the new Conan format that's going to be released in 2019. Uh, but the show is this coming Tuesday, October 16th at Dynasty Typewriter. Uh, it, it's a huge lineup this week. Of course, Moses is hosting the show, uh, but with special guests Conan O'Brien, Whitney Cummings, Dimitri Martin, Tommy Jonagan, Jordan Temple, and musical guest Flula Borg. And if you know anything, Flula is the best musical guest you can have on any show. He always makes the show just absolutely hilarious. We love seeing Flula on there. But that lineup of comedians, I mean, just to be able to come see Conan do stand-up, the big Conan O'Brien and Friends tour that kicks off uh, a few weeks later, Moses is part of that as well. Um, you can get tickets for that uh, on teamcoco.com slash tour. I believe it has all the links for the tickets there. Uh, some of those shows, I believe, are already sold out. So make sure you jump on that. It's going to be an incredible tour. So we listed off a bunch of the comics on the show. I'm drawing a blank on a lot of them at the moment. I know Ron Funches, Taylor Tomlinson, and of course Moses are just a few of them that are going to be going to be on the road with Conan. And yeah, it's going to be an incredible tour. So make sure to see if that's coming to a city near you. They're doing 18 cities, so you are not going to want to miss these shows. They are going to sell out fast. And yeah, get those tickets, teamcoco.com slash tour. You'll be able to see all of the information there as well. Uh, but yeah, th this was such a great episode to be able to sit down and talk with Moses, find out a little bit, you know, how he started, where he came from. I always just kind of knew him, like I said, from Conan and Meltdown. Uh, and it was fun to be able to connect with him and learn a little bit uh, more about his career and kind of about some of the things that he has to come. Uh, some of the TV shows you may have seen him in, he's had a small role in Arrested Development. Uh, like I said, he was also in Youth and Consequences with Austin. And he didn't even mention this to us. We saw that coming up this season, he's on two episodes of This Is Us. So, you know, make sure you watch for him in all of those shows. Uh, he was also just in the Netflix movie Father of the Year where he plays the world's quietest rapper. It is an absolutely hysterical role, and you're going to want to check that out as well. Uh, if you are not following us already on Instagram, at On The Mic Podcast, make sure you are doing so so you can be following along with our 31 Days of Horror, where we take you all throughout Los Angeles and show you a bunch of different haunted locations and give you a brief history of what makes them haunted in just one minute. So we've been having a lot of fun making these videos. Episode 12 posted today. I can't believe that we have done 12 of these already and still have, you know, 19 to go uh, before Halloween. But we've been having a lot of fun. There are so many cool ones. The one we released today is part one of our three-part series at Griffith Park. Griffith Park has just an insane history here of what makes it haunted and some of the stories there. Um, so yeah, we did we did three episodes just in Griffith Park, uh, but I think you're really going to enjoy them. It's, it's a really fascinating history and haunts that go on there. So make sure you check that out again. That's on our Instagram, at On The Mic Podcast, and same on Twitter, at On The Mic Podcast as well. Make sure you check that out again. Thank you to Moses Storm for taking the time to come and join us. His schedule has just been incredibly busy as he's been on the road. I know he's got some dates coming up in Chicago uh, that you'll be able to see him as well. We'll have all of those links up on our website, onthemicpodcast.com, where you can find out where you can catch Moses, where he's touring, um, and be able to follow him on all of his social media links as well. 
Um, again, make sure you go and see Up and Up this Tuesday if you are in Los Angeles, a Dynasty typewriter. The show starts at 8 o'clock. Tickets right now in advance are $10. I believe with any of the extra fees, they end up being $14. Uh, but you can go on to Dynasty Typewriter's website as well as Eventbrite. Uh, that's where you can find tickets for that. Again, it's this Tuesday, October 16th, and it is their last one of 2018. Um, so you're going to want to get out to that. Again, such an incredible lineup. So don't miss out on that. Thank you, Moses Storm. Thank you, everybody that's been listening. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. We'll see you next week. I hope so you have a really embarrassing intro. <laughs> I hope it's really long. We strive for those. Yeah. We we don't give any like type of intro or anything because it makes it makes everybody like tighten up. Like oh when you do that because yeah, then I'll like, like a deposition. Yeah. Now we're yeah, about to start a thing, so do it good and talk different. Anticipate it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we, we just go. There's no there's no real form right. real form to it. So. Okay. <laughs> the intro I record later and in okay. my bathroom because it's the only soundproof place. So. Uh, one would argue that's the worst place to record. You would think, but my bathroom is so carpeted tight. bathroom. Yeah, it's yeah, a strong carpeted choice. Wall to wall, wall to wall. Those are the bathroom, the murder house is disgusting. <laughs> it's got a real smell to it. I don't even use a towel. I just like hey, roll out of it and just kind of roll, roll along onto the, the wall. carpet. That yeah. would explain the the damp smell. Yeah, that's, that's what makes things so musty. Ignore the, the blood stains and the yeah. It's so again, thanks for thanks for doing this. I feel like I feel like course. everything I see from your Instagram and stuff, you're just you're on the road constantly lately. Yeah, I mean it's Instagram, so it's very cherry picked of like just when you're successful <laughs> yeah. and that one like you didn't get the job and you're home. But uh, yes, specifically this year, I think it really sends Utah since living there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> even even while I was out there, I kept leaving. And that was like everyone on the, the cast was roasting the... me because I kept leaving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone had to suffer in, in Ogden, Utah. Well, not suffer, but, you know. <laughs> it's Ogden. It, it, it was suffering. There's Hang no out. such thing as pleasure in Ogden, Utah. <laughs> yeah, just to time out, what Ogden's known for, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they're the, one of the major exports of dog food. Yep. And yeah, there's, a, yeah, dog there's a dog food, food plant, factory. isn't there? So yeah. where we were staying, where I was staying specifically with one of the castmates, um, they it's like where they cook it. <laughs> so it's just that constant smell of cooking dog food, oh. which is so pungent. And uh, I think like if I ever get into a serious accident and my brain's damaged i'll just be able to remember that one smell <laughs> that, that, that'll be what you'll get if you ever have a stroke it's not going to be like the burning toast no it's not it's burning gonna, toast it's no, gonna I smell be, dog food it's gonna be burnt <laughs> salty dog food yeah that is that is a smell that is that has stuck with me but yeah since then uh yeah i've been on the road a bunch um it's really just been a, a year where just i think like right the right things are lining up i i don't know you you i don't know anything the more I do it, the more success I find, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, I had no idea this was going to happen. I have no idea how to keep this going. Yeah. You just keep It seems like that's the it. recurring theme with anybody who's <laughs> – things are doing well. They're like, I don't – I just – things I started happening. No, I, I think the only thing stuff. is I just didn't give up. That's it. Yeah. It, it, it's been fun to watch because I remember when you were working on Youth and Consequences and Austin mentioned your name. And it's just like, yeah, have you, have you heard Moses Storm? And your name immediately like – it pinged in my brain, and I was like, I know I... And it, you had just recently done Conan. Yeah. And that's where... Because I remember my wife and I watched him, we were like, this guy's really fucking funny. And then all of a sudden, Austin's just like, hey, do you know know who this guy is? 
and I had remembered when we'd come out here, I would see your name on things at Meltdown when you guys were doing. Oh yeah, a we did show a show there. at Meltdown for five plus years. Yeah, yeah, yeah and so it was, it was cool. Ten that. years we did it, but I like to yeah. say five plus because it's a fun way. <laughs> you get to add a, a little fun sign. Fun, on right? It, the plus Let people bit. do some some research because there's nothing funner than research. Um, yeah, but yeah, we did a show at Meltdown kind of early on. I think we were the second longest running show, which is not really a brag. It's just like a here's how much time yeah. that was. Um, but there was the Meltdown show. And then we would kind of get like the trickle down audience because uh, we were the following day on a Thursday. Okay. For, sort of like for younger people. It was uh, me and Matt Bennett hosted the show for five years. And he was on a Nickelodeon show that was very popular. And uh, there would be children in the crowd mixed in <laughs> with just like meltdown. You know the crowd. Meltdown. Yeah. It's like, you know, everyone that we love, it's like man boys or man babies where there's just like, you know, comic book fans yeah. and. You know, it just people in the arts, and then and then just actual children that were standing up, and no one was like <laughs> they couldn't see over the because seat. they were that small. Oh man, there was just children, and then we would have comics on just doing filthy like bar stories, and then the second <laughs> you step in the right light, because it's not a huge room, you step in the right light, you can see like oh yeah. there's a there's, an there's a child, <laughs> yeah, blank faces. They don't even know what's going on. They're just right. like I don't get it. There, there's an know. episode I think of the meltdown with Joan and Kumel where they realize that there's like yeah. a 13 year old or something. Yeah, Melanie's on stage, and then he's like he's like doing crowd work. Yeah, and uh, that he discovers that there's a child in the crowd as he's talking <laughs> think about. A murder trial. <laughs> yeah, and Jonah Gamel just done this like horribly filthy intro. Yeah, and, yeah. There's this child that's just sitting. I mean, I yeah. assume they had parents with them, or they they just... did have parents with them, and then the parents lied to get in. Uh, like you, you, everyone had to sign a release form to get into that yeah. meltdown show, <laughs> and then they just lied and said she was uh, 16 because they're like cool parents. <laughs> yeah, but we had children in our crowds for maybe the first two years, and then we would also. Uh, we would stream on on like a now uh, belly up streaming service, and uh, we yeah, we get so many complaints from from parents <laughs> on the show, and and comics too. We're like, whoa, man, there was you know because no one wants that to happen. Yeah, but that was like about the first two years of that show. Plus, just plus like that a, being like the early days of Meltdown, it was kind of the wild west, <laughs> the way that right. that was run. No, it wasn't established, and it's very inviting in the front. It's like a toy store and a comic book store in the front, and in the back yeah. is the theater. So it's very the much dingy like, lights, and, the <laughs> and then there's that there's that child from TV. Of course, this would be great for my kids. Um, and then uh, yeah, so it was two years, and it was it took a while to like get taken seriously there too. Yeah. I, I've always loved them. There is that comedian that's they're the cleaner comic, or they've got that squeaky clean image, and then people go to see them and they don't realize that oh, that's just who they are on TV. That's not who they are on. Oh on yeah, stage. like the Bob with, Saget with Bob Saget, or Drew Drew Carey was one of my favorites that I ever watched because it was when we were still in Utah, and we go to see Drew, and this lady and her husband are sitting like second row, and my wife and I always love just watching to be like. Those people don't know what they're in for. And oh, sure, you've seen him before. Yeah, we, yeah. we knew what we knew what his right. material was, and sure enough, it gets going. And the lady pulls out headphones about partway through, and like puts that in to like try and ignore the filth, and then like pulls out yarn from her purse, <laughs> and, and just starts. So she's prepared, and just started knitting midway through, 
and it's one of the all-time favorite. Like I've seen people walk out of those shows and stuff, but I've never seen anybody just because her husband was still just sitting there enjoying. That's just it. like a good <laughs> wife in a relationship yeah. of just like I don't, I, I don't want to be here, but I brought my thing. <laughs> You're going to be the one that has to talk to the bishop yeah. later. <laughs> I think like the cleaner your image is, the 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 more the inclination is when you can go dirty to, to go dirty because you feel so restrained. <laughs> so a lot of these like cleaner guys when they when they can do like a late night show and yeah, they're just unhinged. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> when when was it that you started into comedy? About two two weeks ago. <laughs> um, no, I, I, it was probably nine years ago now. Yeah. Almost okay. nine years. Did, did ago. you start out here? Yes, I did. Which you should not do at all. <laughs> if you're thinking about it, don't do that. It's just like, you need to get good in a town that no one cares about. Not to, you know, shit on your town, but a town that where there's not like, uh, industry or. Right. Something. Everyone the, 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 you're going to be working with for the rest of your life is going to, you're going to start with. So it's all the people that get the good jobs are the people that you're at the crappy open mic with or doing a bad show with. Those are the people that are going to get jobs and you're all going to be in the same class. Um, You have to try very hard to not bomb on every show when you first start. Because you have no idea what you're doing. So if you can start in your own town, then definitely do that. But I didn't really have a choice. It's like I want to be out here. So Where, Where was hometown for you? Uh, originally from Michigan, but we traveled around a lot growing up. So there's not really like one home base where I'm like, I can't wait to just get back and see all my yeah. friends. So you travel a lot. It's like, I don't have any connection to any town. Did, did Michigan really have like a strong comedy scene at all? Well, I don't no idea. I've never done comedy, <laughs> uh, like in the scene there. I've just gone back and done the clubs now. But no, I have no idea. I have no connection to it. People would be like, oh, yeah, Barrel Creek, Michigan. I have nothing. <laughs> if you're town, if you come up to me and you're like, you lived in Florida, I lived. I have nothing. Nothing to offer. I have Might no as well connection. been a hotel there. And I don't know the sports teams. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Did you start uh, acting before going in comedy then? Or how did. Um, I know it's so embarrassing to be like, I'm going to move out to LA and do acting, even though it was something I was always interested in. I just like heard that said back, and I'm like, ooh, just, <laughs> just like, <laughs> like I mean, what a what a fairy tale, what a I don't know, it's such a and it's when you're 18, everyone's asking you what what are you doing with your life, and then to say that back, people are like, what? So nothing, right? So I yeah, I said I was going out to like write and do stand up and try to like make videos. So I started by by doing improv, which is a great way into stand up in that you can fail in front of other people. Uh, sorry, fail with people. Yeah. It's not just you. And be like, Here's the thing I think is funny. If you're doing bad in an improv show, you can be like, my scene partner sucks. <laughs> 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 or you can be like, well, this is just a scene. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. this isn't the funny part. The punchline's coming. Mm-hmm. Not till the edit till you get like, oh, that wasn't good. Where, where were you doing improv at? Was that UCB or? Yeah, UCB mainly. And then there was like a... Um, there's like a free thing that was like connected to like a church. Yeah, and I was like, what? First time a friend took me to us, I'm like, this is a, like a cult thing. 
because they would pray after. <laughs> uh, but Please they were Lord, like really chill us. about it. So I was like, okay, and we still get to do comedy in front of an audience. Did they continue to yes and the prayer? Yes. Okay. They did. <laughs> yes, they did. That's how the Bible was written. Just <laughs> yes and. Um, but it was just like, it was stage time. And when you start, you're bad and you need just to get up as much as possible and, and do as much. So I was like, okay, it's a stage and they have an, a real audience that's not just open mic people or other improvisers because that's the trap of doing improv is you're just performing for other improv right. teams. The, the crowd is the, yeah the, hey guys so we're the, the other artists. team can we get a suggestion <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> give you some shit we're the entire crowd and now we're up here uh so it, it was like i wasn't super thrilled with the like religious aspect of that but it was like a stage and they had real people right and it was like you had to be clean on the show so you couldn't do the crutch of just like saying something dirty, and it is very much a crutch. Yeah, to go dirty, um, even though it's funny, it's funny as shit to go dirty, and I, you know, have no problem with it. Now I'll do that, but it's like it was a great skill to learn, because like everything on TV, you have to be clean for. So you if at you least can want to be able base. to have the option of being able to yeah. be clean and then not like yeah well, shit now i can't i can't function right because I'm limited if you want to do anything that's like mass appeal and like i don't know just work any be able to work anywhere to start at that base of like because it's great to start as early as possible because no one expects you to be good if right. i was going up now and consistently bombing people are like what happened <laughs> why does he have this job but when you're bad it's like take the chances try to work clean and then go dirty because you'll have the base of like knowing all the comedy stuff and the rules before, and then you can add that stuff on top. Start yeah. talking about pubic hair, and then that's fine. <laughs> that's my version of dirty. <laughs> can you imagine pubic hair? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's why I started. It was terrible. So I, I've been I've been impressed with some of the comics that I've seen lately that have been more focused on on going clean, just to try and get that. Whether they're wanting to tour with like corporate jobs and things like that, which I mean, do pay insane money. Yeah, but I've been impressed to see that. But then at the same time, I'll see them put out like clips, and I'm like, "Oh, that's not that comic special at all." Yeah, and and I've I've kind of wondered if some of those where they've come out with like the clean clips to try and sell it, if they still manage to do like a full 45 or an hour all clean, because I'm just like that comic's not a clean comic. <laughs> no, I've gotten that comment at shows. People are like, "We looked up a clip and we thought it was going to be all clean stuff, and then we were surprised." Um, like in a fun way that they yeah. had fun, which is a cool thing to be like. I wonder if it's if comedy's like all a surprise. It's much more shocking because I think that's what dirty humor is. You're going on the shock yeah, as well. You're playing off the off the shock, right? Like I can't believe you said that. So it's it's better if they're going in being like, oh yeah, this is well, at least the clips we saw are pretty squeaky clean. Yeah. So then, it's, I don't know, it's a little bit better than like, this is about to get filthy, and then they <laughs> don't have the perfect cum joke, and then, oh no, you're screwed. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything, though. <laughs> who, who was it that you did come up with when you when you started here? I know I know Chris Red. I always have seen, have seen you kind Chris of... Chris Red was a couple years ahead of me. Okay. Um, we became like fast friends. I... Uh, so I came up with Jack Knight. He's probably the closest person of like, we were at open mics together. Okay. Um, and like the same class. Um, and then, uh, so then I sold a show to FX 
and I Jack was supposed to be in it, but Jack was also taking off at that time, and he got a uh, a Comedy Central pilot, so he couldn't do it. So I had just met Chris Red because we just all did the Montreal Comedy Festival together, the Just for Laughs Festival. We were all new faces, and uh, just hanging out with Chris there, we immediately clicked because we were just going to all these like very terrible agent meetings. Yeah. Out there, that are very, it's very like, stiff. You do your shows at night, and then the day is all just like stiff meetings. And, and uh, you know, we just became fast friends and then started performing together on stage, and it was like the funnest thing. So, and so that when I did my, my pilot, Jack wasn't available. I put uh, Chris in the pilot, and he, you know, killed it. He was so funny in the pilot, and then we were friends ever since then. That's yeah. awesome. But even at that time, he was like hard to get. He had like a free week. Yeah. But it was like just when he was about to, pop star was about to come out and disjointed was just just coming together, so he was already like, you know, skyrocketing. He's a couple, yeah, he's like a couple years ahead of us, of uh, Jack and I. But yeah, I think Jack's probably the closest person. That's cool. So it's 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 always fun to look back at and see some of the people that that you've kind of been with the entire time and where yeah. and where they started and be able to kind of cheer cheer each other on so even oh, some yeah. of the comics that i when i first was coming out here and i'd go and do an open mic and then go back to utah and do an open mic here and there and then i would see people that i'd i'd been on an yeah. open mic without here and i was like fuck everything's going right for them like that's i, I need to get moved so i can be in part of that crowd because yeah it was just crazy watching how everybody networking out here would just build up those relationships so strong yeah it is a good barometer to like uh how you're doing is just having that that class around you of like okay well they're putting a special out time to put a special out yeah they're doing their first late night sets or whatever it is even in, in acting i'm like okay they just finance their own indie feature time to <laughs> it just keeps you moving because it's such a uh you're, you're freelance constantly and there's so much distraction out here that you could easily you know not not do it you could easily do anything else yeah very 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 true there's so often where my wife will be like hey we should go do this and i'm like but Austin and I have to film pointless videos this week. Yeah. So we <laughs> right. Way important pointless videos. Yeah. yeah but you got to do that. We need to do it. Matt, uh, Matt Bellows, uh, a friend of Tim's who was on the podcast, who said, uh, said it kind of in a good way. If you're not moving forward like at all, you're moving backward. There's no just kind of coasting, really. Yeah. There's no if you're just sitting someone's passing you, someone's making something. Someone's, yeah. you know, oh, like, yeah. you just got to be putting putting stuff together. Yeah, I try to make it a rule to not know anyone that works harder than me. Like, you shouldn't know anyone out here. Like, oh, fuck, they're fucking working. They're out there every night. Like, you, then what are you doing? If you know that that exists and that is possible, that you, the, a human body can do that, then why aren't you doing it? I like that. I, I mm. don't think I've ever heard anybody necessarily put it that way. Yeah. That's now going to be my goal is figure out how hard Moses is working and try to work harder than Moses. Yeah, or just don't know me. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> just actively avoid me because then that's like, oh, I don't got to think about it. But, but even like Anna Akana, I, I, I like, yeah. she's very inspiring to like, okay, keep going. Wow. Okay. She's, you know, she's already shooting music videos to put out next year. Um Granted, I'm not gonna ever go into a music career, but it's still like she's someone that's. I would like, love to see her calendar. Uh, that that thing's probably. I have seen it. It's insane. It's a wall. It's an entire wall with like goals and how she wants to feel about the things. It's very detail oriented, which is so great because it's like you need that. Yeah. Mm. She's the best boss of herself. If that makes sense. Yeah. 
what, what did it take for you to kind of get to that mindset? Because I mean, starting into comedy and starting into entertainment, yeah. most people don't have that mindset going into it. I mean, were you kind of already there? What was the push that got you there? Uh, we were just poor as shit growing up. <laughs> so we constantly had to work hard for anything to like eat that night. And I had parents that made like very bad decisions about how to get food. So it was like everything seemed harder than it needed to be in an effort to like, we're not going to have a job. We'll just scam our way through or try these shortcuts. It ends up being way harder. Yeah. Way harder. So from very early age, was like in the workforce and working just because it was like we needed to. So anything that's stagnant now feels like death. Even a a vacation, I can maybe do three days before I'm like, I got to get out of here or we got to find something to do in Mexico. That's a video (laughs) or something. I just it's right now. Things are very busy and I have the most amount of energy and I feel the best when when I have too much to do. Yeah, I, I, I love that feeling and I'm nowhere near as busy as you are. But I still love to just like any little project. And my wife, Austin's been out with us when like. When we were still living in Utah, we'd go to San Diego or yeah. like if I'd go out to New York for something and my wife would always just be like, you need to slow down. Like yeah. take a day or two because she's like, our vacations just <laughs> yeah. turn into you working for five right. days. Exactly. <laughs> no, I get in trouble uh, with that a lot with my girlfriend who would have to be like, you know, you got to stop. You need to be here. You need to be like a person, <laughs> uh, which is great. And I'm so glad that she does that because, you know. We've all seen people that are just in this, and you're not like a real person. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And I think if you're in comedy or even in acting, like, why are there so many movies just about the business? Why? Are, why is like? Why are we giving awards to these movies that are just about like a struggling actor? It's like, well, that's all these people know that are a writing. Star it. like, is born. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Write what you know, and if that's all you know. You don't have these real life experiences, yeah. and then that's how everything can feel the same that's coming out. I had always loved, uh, I'd heard Conan say at one point that he never wanted to get uh, a really fresh young writer uh, because what experiences do they have? And that was something that that kind of encouraged me to try and have more of those experiences. I was like, if I I ever wanted to do something with Conan or with anybody. I'm going to get so fired then. If that's that's what he said, I'm so going to get fired. (laughs) I am not. Shit. I am so green and know nothing. Every time I'm there, I'm just wide-eyed and just agreeing to everything he says. But clearly he saw something in you, though, to to be able to give you the opportunities he's able to give. Yeah. I was, like, doing a bunch of performing. But, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, I, I still consider myself very green. <laughs> and yeah. that will stick with me. If we take one thing away <laughs> from this podcast, yeah. it's that I'm probably going to get fired. <laughs> I mean, the same goes for, for acting. Um, the best actors, I think, are the ones who are like middle-aged because they've just yeah. been through it and they have so much to pull from in their life. Oh, yeah. You know, some when I watch shows, especially like... Teen dramedies, which is ironic because that was what we were on. But uh, so often I feel like y- you can see right through performances because you you can tell people are trying to put on what they think something is and they don't right. have necessarily something to to relate to the character or situation. And sometimes, yeah, the, there is just like you have to, I don't know, do stuff in life, but that doesn't mean <laughs> just go yeah. do stuff to, to be like, I'm going to go to no, jail I because think, I think crying <laughs> is a great example of like what you're talking about. Like an older actor 
will not do this. A younger actor in an acting class will go with like the most hysterical, oh, loud yeah. commitment oh, yeah. cry, and then an older actor will be do something that's much sadder, and that's trying not to cry and crying. <laughs> that's what that people scene. do, yeah. And it, that just right? takes a maturity. It takes a bit of you know practice that's, that's and a life experience like i'm an adult i cannot <laughs> cry right now and it's so much sadder to watch someone trying not to cry yeah it really is so yeah more life experience yeah you can you pull from real things because you you know you are acting all the time as a human being to be yeah. like i'm sad i can't do that now or i feel like i'm gonna get fired now at this job because <laughs> isn't it he said so i've always found it so interesting how different you can act just from, I mean, five minutes to the next five minutes between like two different people. Someone <laughs> maybe you are, you're in a relationship with, and then you're at a the Mexican restaurant buying a burrito and you're just talking to them way different, but for no real reason other than like, you commit I'm kind hard of... with a Spanish accent. Very offensive. Yeah. It goes great. Yeah. You're constantly shifting. Just get pulled over by the police. You talk, Totally different. Yeah, but there's no real reason. It's like this almost instinctual thing that we do, and it, I guess it's it's probably more of like Western culture of you know growing up in a place where you're always trying to appeal to people and situations and giving responses, I guess, to how you think maybe people want what they want to hear and what they want to see, and so you change yourself versus being the exact same person throughout uh, multiple relationships mm -hmm. and whatnot. I just that's just the, that stuff always interests me. Yeah. Which I guess is why I'm an actor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm taking that on. Um, how do you feel in acting classes? I hate acting classes, uh -huh. but only because of the other actors. <laughs> I, yeah. Do you, uh, I don't know about you, but I get... I love it when I can when I'm in an acting class or I have a scene partner where I'm like I feel like I'm talking to a real person and we can we can do this scene yeah. in not a way where it feels like everyone's trying to be impressive or or whatever and there's usually, there's always a sense of ego in acting classes there's always a sense of well I've been here for 10 years doing these acting classes right. and people size you up oh what have you been in oh what have you done and it's like why does any of that matter you should just watch the scene and critique me on that that's totally appropriate but there's always this sense of gauging their success on your success and oh that yeah. stuff happens too often and it bothers me but i love being in class and training that that's yeah that feels good because it's yeah, like it's, back to like moving forward it's like an athlete but yeah the sizing up in the credits because there's no real like score like a football game of like yes no. he made it a certain amount of distance that was good <laughs> in acting it's like did you did you say the thing right or did you have that emotion it's it's very hard to gauge so like they'll put the credits on you to be like oh because no one knows mm -hmm. no one knows what's good any acting teacher will is not going to know 100 percent uh the adjustment usually isn't much better it's me it's most of the time it's just louder <laughs> most of the time it's like adjustment you know now do it screaming <laughs> better but you need to be in the classes and you need to be doing it because it's a very unnatural thing to pick up a piece of paper with words and then and that's, then, that and aren't then, yours, and you need to say them in front of people that are looking at you and making mouth sounds and just like <laughs> checking their phones because that's what acting is. That's what being on set yeah. is always going to be like. It's all these distractions, and you're trying to be in this thing. So you need to do that as much as possible. But I think putting any kind of, uh, I don't know, like any like looking at an acting teacher like a deity or like they know it all is very dangerous. Or mm. anyone in your class that's saying that they know better than you. 
or judging you because really the, no one. The best knows. acting teachers are the ones who are like, I'm a student myself. Um, yeah. You know, there there's always it's just art is subjective. Art will never <laughs> right, be. You, I think your teacher probably is not just showing up to this class. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're the like, teacher? No, I'm just a student myself. Oh, this guy's good. Oh, shit. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, I just wandered in off the street, to be honest with you. Here's $500, sir. <laughs> But it's it's something it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like golf in a way. Uh, you just you're never going to master it, no matter how good you are. Yeah. You're always going to have not good days, some amazing days. You know, there's always this process of well, this is good now, but now this other thing took a step back. I got to retouch that up. I got to. It's this never-ending piece of clay that you're always trying to put back into the shape that you want it to be and it, it sometimes it falls back yeah. down and you know, it's just it never stops and anybody who says that they've i don't know i don't know anybody who really does say that they've peaked some people have the ego that they have <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they're like mm-hmm. but uh, no you know it is impossible and it's very rare you walk away from uh, a set and you're like i did it i got it it's <laughs> right. always like i wish i had one more but it's just you don't you maybe get actually one or two takes yep. on set sometimes one uh, just because the, the budget's tight and you, that's all they have time for. For how much you put into an audition versus like how much time you actually get on set is such a huge, huge gap. <laughs> it's so backwards. It's so funny too. It's like with auditioning especially, there's so many, it feels like this disgusting rat race game of like, you know, you have to you get an audition and you you prepare it. Hopefully, the the sides are good and it's a well written thing. Yeah. Most times it's like, oh fuck, gotta. Yeah, the worse it is, audition. the harder it is to memorize because no human being talks like that. Yeah, you're like, I sound like a robot and I'll right. do my best to fill this with life. But uh, it's there's kind of a bit. You shouldn't try to guess like what does this casting director want to see? Or, you know, you, you just gotta go give it what you think it is. But it, there's always some there's so many variables that are out of your control that it, it's kind of uh tiring to be like you, you put all this work into an audition that you're way more likely to not get yeah and you know that going into it if if you have a head on your shoulders uh you know you're more likely not going to get this than you are but you still have to go into it with that like negative outlook uh with the sense of i'm going to to get this or at least give my interpretation of it and hope that that's in line with what they see this character as, you know, there's this bit of stars aligning kind of in a way, you know, because right. you could be a better actor than, say, someone who got the part. Oh, no. Yeah. All but, dream jobs are just you got it because everyone that's better than you was too busy. <laughs> <laughs> that's every dream job yeah. I've ever gotten. Every opportunity. It's just like the more talented people that have been doing it longer, they just didn't have a free Saturday. So I was there. <laughs> So that's it. So if you you go into that, it's very humbling, but then have enough confidence to be like, no, I put the training in. I'm good at this. I know what I'm doing because I, yeah, I've been on the other side too where I've watched actors come in and they're just so in their heads or completely doubting themselves. And it's just like, well, okay, you're telling us how to treat you then. You tell people (laughs) in life how you should be treated and you're saying that you don't got this from the jump. Mm Mm-hmm. So sabotage anybody you're up against. That's really the <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and definitely shake their tires. If you're at an audition, uh, be the guy that immediately throws the sides away in the trash and goes, "Good luck, guys." Oh God, I hate him. The, I think guy. my my least favorite part, number one least favorite part about auditioning, is the waiting room itself. I, like I don't know about you, but for me, it's yeah. just 
it's the same thing with the acting class. There's this sizing up thing. There's this weird air, and I'm like, I truly don't care. Like, I just want to oh, yeah. go in and do this thing and leave. But there's always the conversation guy or girl who's like, oh, my gosh. Wait, I'm wait, so, wait, yeah, wait. yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. Know. I'm always like, I don't want to talk. I just want to, like, I want to do it. And, and I, these conversations are so superficial. I know you're just trying to warm up your voice. And get out your <laughs> <head>. <laughs> so you don't really want to talk. You're yeah. not going to come I know to you're my nervous play later. Just... Yeah. Hit me up. Hit me up when that is putting way too much commitment into like the words like you're already going to overact this scene you're overacting this conversation can i get the bathroom key uh thanks left door on the right okay uh, two down left on the right i'll call you if i get lost i'm the klutzy guy yeah oh my god how adorable did, did you ever have to go to jeff johnson's old space in salt lake to audition where it would always feel like that waiting room there was never anybody there i know which and place you're talking about and anytime i, I'd I go didn't. in there i would sign in and then just kind of like Look around this giant empty room. It's scary. It would just fuck with my head, and I would just be like, "Okay, here we go." Because it was just like I could hear my thoughts echo in the room. It yeah. was so big and empty. Wow. That well, I realize I have an ego monster, a monster of an ego. Because if I'm in an empty room, I'm like, guess I'm the only one being brought in for this. Clearly, <laughs> yeah. see something. So very select few to bring in. Probably yeah, bring yeah, one yeah. Of the guy. <laughs> See, that's the, that's the ego I should have had going in, and I maybe would have been better than that. Well, it's better than the... I walked into a cult the other day. I had an audition for a commercial of some sort, don't know. Um, and they specifically required everyone to wear, like, the same thing. It was, like, some jeans and a white shirt. And so I showed up, and it was just... I mean, I expected it, but it was still just creepy to see it. it was, you, like, walk in, and there's all these, like male models like all in the same attire like turn and look at you and you're like oh shit this is whoa, whoa, <laughs> really oh, weird oh it felt like a call yeah it, it just felt like, like an actual a, I no, thought no, you no. got because there are those things <laughs> he, out he here he was auditioning for Scientology TV <laughs> yeah there are that's a very real thing that happens for Scientology <laughs> really? for some yeah, reason they have their own TV network they have their own oh, TV yeah. network and they're constantly casting it's been a while but like the internet breakdown services will be like we're casting a movie or a commercial and it'll all be like Scientology promotional videos yeah. Which I'm like, what is going on? What's the turnover rate on these promotional videos? Because it seems like they're constantly casting yeah. them and shooting them. <laughs> really, that's just to convert it's, it's actors. It's a way to get in actors and, in. Yeah. Like, in, yeah, into it. So it's a, yeah. Creepy. Which, by the way, people give a lot of shit to Tom Cruise and like Will Smith and John Travolta for being Scientologists. But like, I would totally be a Scientologist if I was at their level. Because they're not getting abused and like mop buckets thrown on them. Right. They're getting the top premium cut of Scientology. They're getting flown around. They're getting connections. Yeah. They're getting like Illuminati shit at the top. All the money that you donate. All the people that are getting for. abused yeah. is so Tom Cruise has a great time when he stays at the Celebrity Center. What a great thing to so, invest in. Right? And the return is great. You get, uh, I don't know. Absolutely. So, fuck you. Let Tom Cruise be a goddamn Scientologist and speak at his like weird mall churches. If you're some struggling actor that's getting tricked into it, then yeah, you're an idiot. You shouldn't be in that. Get out of that as fast as possible. They're going to abuse you. So John Travolta has a plane. <laughs> they have their Scientology plane. They do an open mic at the Celebrity Center that one of my friends was like, we should just go and check this out. And I was like, no, we shouldn't because I don't know that oh, we yeah. can exit. You don't check out of that. <laughs> oh, that would be you tough stay. to be like, because everything in stand-up is like about your childhood and like past traumas. So they would be like, mm, okay, so why is that an issue? Yeah. 
Or 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 the comics that have the, their bits about drugs, and they're like, we don't do that here. We can't relate. Yeah. Or maybe we're prejudging this, and it is a rocking open mic. <laughs> it is so fun. They let maybe loose we in should there. give it a shot. <laughs> Drew Carey hosted. He's swearing constantly. It's yeah. Free joints, free like shots on the house. You know, right? Everyone's having a good. Well, time. you've convinced me. I'll 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 go and give them a shot. There. I should tell you, I'm a Scientologist. I should. We should get that out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's any crazier than any other religion that's sure. out there. No, I we, even being in Utah, I would always tell people when they would when they would oh, start Mormon really, church. Yeah, yeah when they would like, start really okay. ragging on. I was like, it's explain just, Christianity to it's me. It's just sci-fi Mormonism. Like it's, <laughs> right. It's the exact same it's like concept. An updated, a little alien twist. Or yeah, yeah, Mormon. It's fun. <laughs> so when when was it that you went on uh, that you went on Conan? Uh, it was last. Oh, it's exactly a year ago. Exactly a year ago. Yeah. So that so like yeah. the week. Yeah, because this was when the youth and consequences. Yeah, was yeah. Out, and and usually with the late night set, you have uh, a bunch of places you can run that same five mm-hmm. minutes. So it's it's so in your head, so you know exactly what words to cut. But because we were living in Utah, there was only one club. So, so you were do doing it. wise guys. I was doing wise guys. <laughs> yeah, just like really calling on all the favors to Keith, like get yeah. up wherever I could um, and just trying to run the set. Were you doing the wise guys open mic even? No. I was going to say. Open mic if, is, it would crush you. Yeah. Like you that open mic is, was a weird it. one. <laughs> no, it was more just like, let's try to do shows. I feel good on. Yeah. Um, but I had no prep time for what you should do. I maybe got to run it three times before doing it on the show. Oh, wow. And usually you do it probably three times a night for a, a week or two. So were you just doing it at the at the 25th Street Wise Guys there in Ogden, uh, or were you both, going downtown? Both. I would rent a car and, and drive down there like, okay. last minute when Keith would be like, yeah, I can put you up. Because I, I told him like up front, I'm like, I'm doing this. Anything you can yeah. do to help me out. And he was very nice and a huge part of, of why it went well on the show. Yeah, Keith is fantastic. Yeah. So him putting me up was like huge. And, and his wife, who was so nice at the Ogden location. Yeah. That's probably where I wrote most of the set. Oh, nice. was because of her. Like, Letting me go up. I've I've only ever been to the Ogden one one time, and it was when Andrew Slater was doing a. He was in town, and he was coming on the podcast, and our schedules were just so all over. And I was like, "I'll just meet you in Ogden." Oh yeah, <laughs> only time I've ever different been to vibe that club. there. Yeah. Different <laughs> vibe. Yeah, yeah, it was a much older crowd too. But it was great to be like, okay, get, does it work in front of this crowd? And you got to be clean. Yeah. Those Mormon shows, I was like featuring for Ryan Hamilton. <laughs> it was like, you know, uh, I think he's still Mormon, but like that's his base. Thing. Yeah, and, he has a very squeaky clean base. And I didn't know that everyone dresses like they're going to church. Usually comedy club people are like, what is technically clothes? That is the question, <laughs> right? But this people were Saran dressed. Saran wrap is a totally acceptable. Sure, that's all fine. We just need butts and seats. It's a dying art form. Let's just get you there. But this, people were dressed like khakis, tucked in shirts, and they would keep the house lights on, which I'd never seen before. Uh, and then people would just be holding two Diet Cokes. And then that's it. Because the loophole, I guess, is that you can have caffeine if it's in Diet Coke and not... Because you can't have coffee. Yeah, it's hot drink. Yeah, hot? It's a hot drink. Hot it's drink. hot caffeine? Or it's yeah, just hot drink? That's the, the, oh, Tim found a great meme that describes this. The, the, the whole this chaos. describes it perfectly. What if is still, it? Because maybe we're not. On my phone. Maybe they're onto something here. So, so here here's Joe Rogan's always talking about keto coffee, and, you know, <laughs> maybe this is no crazier. 
So, so this is what I found just the other day. It says, so here, here's what I've been told during my decade in Utah. Caffeinated sodas are okay, but coffee and tea are forbidden because Mormon texts discourage hot drinks. It's not about caffeine. But hot um. chocolate is okay, despite being hot, because hot drinks really means brewed drinks. Iced tea and iced coffee are forbidden, despite being cold, because they are brewed. But herbal teas, hot or iced, are okay, despite being brewed, because there's no caffeine. So they, I guess <laughs> they just don't want you drinking beer. And they're saying, like, <laughs> brew. They were kind of ahead, like, oh, if people could make kombucha and they could have technically alcohol in it. That's true. But, right? But, but plenty of, of them drink kombucha, too. Really? See? Yeah, it's... So it's just the brewing part. I don't think... How do they think Diet Coke is made? There's got to be some (laughs) brewing involved. I had never heard some of those things until I came across that meme. Okay. So, and I I sent it to Austin and just said, it's almost like they're just making this up as they go along. Yeah, I had forgotten (laughs) about this rule. It wasn't until after the show, but so I was just going up there just like, it's trying to make stupid jokes. And then, yeah, it was like, they're all well lit and they have two glasses yeah. of coke and they're holding them in their hand. like there's a table just set them down <laughs> just two two glasses and uh yeah very very clean i think one of them was like a real estate event <laughs> where some guy when it was like who runs a real estate company and has like a scam mailing list got a bunch of people to come to wise guys <laughs> and, and then he was like i'm gonna get up and do stand up and, and then he was telling us before he's like yeah so i'm gonna go up there do like 20 25 minutes and then uh, and then bring the first comic up i'm like great it's your event this is your crowd and then it what's funny is i know well. who you're talking about okay <laughs> he ended up doing three minutes <laughs> because it wasn't going well. All right. Uh, well, uh, we got to get you warmed up. So let's bring the first comic up. <laughs> so just divide by None eight. None of his and jokes we'll landed. Everyone was like, "Hey, man, where's that forty-five thousand dollars I gave you?" <laughs> it was it was a room full of angry people. Yeah, that, that had to have been a tough event to do. I can only yeah, imagine. and then Ryan uh, Ryan Hamilton's great. He had just put out his Netflix special, yeah. and then he was just like, "I have no material for you." <laughs> I mean, you, you're here because you saw the Netflix special. I have nothing, and he just talked to the crowd the entire time, and it was so. Which funny. he still is hilarious, just doing crowd. Work. Yeah, and then he's like, "Okay, well now I'm going to go into a joke from the special. So you've heard this, <laughs> and then you just do that. <laughs> so nice. So how how did all of the Conan stuff start coming about? Where you've got Up and Up now. That's uh, that's a monthly yeah. show over at, at uh, Dynasty Typewriter, and it just kind of it, it seemed like it just snowballed after you did the show. Yeah. Yeah, no, things really picked up after that. So Chris and I started, Chris Red and I were doing a, a show together that we would co-host and we would do like joint stand-up together, which I'd never had someone I felt so comfortable on stage with. And if you can find another stand-up that compliments you or you can do stand-up with, it's in, insane. Yeah. It's the most selfish art form where everyone's trying to get their own laugh. And um, JP, who books the stand-ups on the show, hired Chris and I to host the Conan pre-show at Comic-Con. It was like this new thing that was they were throwing together. It was like a hot show on a roof. So we kind of got in with the Conan people a little bit through that. Uh, and then was still trying to like submit sets to JP. Finally got the set under the worst timing, being in Utah. <laughs> and then the show went well. Went, it went very well. And then the set did really well online, almost like the day after, or like the day it was posted. Um, and then I got hired from there. Uh, to to host the Up and Up show, which is uh, a show that Conan was starting to kind of prep things for the tour that he's on now. Yeah. Or about to go on. Um, And they needed a host for it. 
and uh, they hired me to do that. Awesome. Yeah. So, and it's it's such a fun show too. We were we were excited to be able to see it in in San Diego because mm. every time it pops up, I'm always like, okay, this is on my calendar. Oh yeah. And I and I'm always prepared. Like, okay, I'm going to go this month. And then the month gets away from me, and the next thing I see is people that went to the show posting pictures. And I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It's always one of those things. You see the photos after. Um, yeah. Oh, the San Diego one was fun, too. Yeah, that, that one was fantastic. But you always have such great <laughs> yeah. guests out here. So the, the last one you, you had, I saw that you, uh, you crowd surfed in bubble wrap. Yeah. Was, the <laughs> idea was to like, make crowd surfing fun for the audience as well. So nothing's funner <laughs> than popping bubble wrap. So, because it's very selfish to be out there and have people like, you know, touch your greasy body. I'm very greasy. It's a problem. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it was wrapped in bubble wrap, uh, which felt so strange to have people pinching you and part of the suit tore in the middle, like right where my stomach is. And people still are trying to pop just like my nipples and my body. Uh, I still feel that feeling. It's so weird. One it's, does not forget being popped. No, it's like it was like a bunch of spiders. It was so weird. Um, yeah, no, we get great guests, and that has nothing to do with me. That's all just because the Team Coco people, everyone that puts on a professional show, uh, puts on this show. And uh, what a night and day difference from the meltdown days <laughs> of just having like people like, hey, yeah, I'm just in charge of taking photos or I'm making sure that the guests get in okay. And they, they know where to park. Because I would get, still happens now, if people are coming to a show, they'll like text me the moment I'm about to hit and go on stage and be like, um, but where do I park? Um, I don't know. Where do you park as an adult? Yeah. <laughs> my friend's from Australia. She doesn't have her ID and she has a DUI. Can she get in? Like, I don't know. I don't know anything this about this. I'm trying to do to... a show now. Yeah. I'm on a stage right now. Uh, so yeah, having them is, is incredible. And all the, uh, so, so that we've been doing that for, um, I don't know couple couple months now maybe six months and that uh is all just like prepping for this tour and but they're keeping the show going starting in january so we're, we're back in january awesome so how, yeah. how did this tour come about because i know you're on a handful of dates yeah uh laurie kilmartin ron funches taylor tomlinson rory scoville yeah, yeah it's, it's an incredible Cole. lineup yeah yeah, it's all like friends of Conan uh, that are like successful, me being the least successful. <laughs> the other day I was at the show and like uh, Jim Gaffigan was on, was on and he was like, yeah, oh, this, you're doing this tour? I'd love to stop by and, and do a set. And I'm like, well, okay, then I'm cut. I'm for <laughs> sure going to be the first person cut. You look at everyone else's careers and clearly the person that's like, okay, let the kid do it. Let that kid that's always around do a set. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, a really, really great lineup and it's just something that he's been wanting to do ever since mm-hmm. he did the, the first tour in 2008, uh, after the whole like, uh, late night switch up. Yeah. The, the, not a lot on, what was the name of it? Like not a lot on TV tour or something like yeah. that. Le- legally prohibited. Legally, from yeah. I've got the poster at home and I can't even think of what yeah. it's called. <laughs> uh, but he had, he had just had so much fun just talking to fans and the whole idea is to go out there and not be just trapped in Burbank and you know not that he doesn't appreciate the crowds coming in but he really likes being on the road and you know reaching out to people that couldn't normally buy a ticket to Los Angeles right and and go see the show and he just likes performing live and and doing stand-up that's not just like topical material that's thrown away the next hour uh so 
he's been like writing stand up, like traditional good stand up. I do another show, and that's what that's what the tour is going to be. Him doing stand up, him meeting fans, and then uh, we're there to essentially warm up the crowd for him. That that's cool though. That there's so many of you that are part of it too. Or it does it does feel like the the Conan home base. I mean, if if yeah. you weren't part of it, if Dion wasn't part of it, everybody that we're used to seeing as part of that Team Coco hub. It, it's fun to just kind of watch all of you guys start moving about. Oh, yeah, it's with so nice. Everyone is so grateful to be on it, and the fact that he takes care of people that he sees something in, or just you know, the right timing lined up is is great. It's I've never not felt like any opportunity I've got. I'm just like, why me? You're so <laughs> nice. You don't have to do this. You you are so funny and so uh, successful that you don't have to be this nice. It's a little scary. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's great. So what 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 other things are you doing with Team Coco aside from up and up? Because it seems like you're you're still kind of part of other other parts within Team Coco. Yeah, well, I'm doing a show with them um, that I'm, that's like a pilot, so it's nothing. I can't really talk about it because it's so nothing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we're developing a show over there. And that's kind of why he's cutting his show down to a half hour so he can focus on things that he likes and giving opportunities to, to up-and-coming comics. Um, so yeah, we're doing that, we're doing that show. Um, what other things am I doing? I got a bunch of other things. Got a bunch of road dates <laughs> coming up. Uh, yeah. So when, when are you, your next dates are in Chicago, is that right? Mm-hmm. If, I, if I remember some of, some of your many posts that I that I see regularly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Zany Chicago uh, later this month. Uh, Rosemont and then the Chicago Club, which I, every comic's like, that place is great. So I can't wait. Awesome. We'll see, though. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> it's all just a trap. You yeah. just want to build up your hopes. <laughs> right. And, and then I'm at some shows and, and and a movie, but I never announce those things because you can get cut oh, all yeah, the time. Yeah. No, I do the same so, thing. So <laughs> I'm trying to get this podcast specifically to be evergreen. I want this to play at my funeral in four years. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was like, yeah, there's like things I'm excited about, but I never announce them until I know mm. it's like, this is going to be on. Until I'm on set or even until it's like comes out and you know Not you're in it. Not even set, but yeah. <laughs> I see people post like deadline articles before the table read. And it's like, you're posting that before the last audition? Mm, the table read is your last audition. Well, not even. The shooting the pilot. Yeah, shooting the pilot. More or less, the editor is your final the audition. The editor is your final audition. This, yeah, the season. They can pull the season. Of, there's shows where they've done like three episodes and they've fired the lead. Oh, man. And they're yeah. like, well, let's just reshoot it, which is, I can't even imagine how hurtful that is to be like no we're gonna spend all this money because we don't like you (laughs) specifically it's worth the money we've weighed having you in it you know you're technically saying all the words in english and (laughs) hitting all your marks but we you're pretty fundamentally do not like you so we're gonna spend millions of dollars to redo it without you i'm sure eric stoltz could tell us all about it all about it Austin and I have both had that though in like small little roles yeah. where friends and family more or less find out about it because we don't say anything, and then they're like, Austin had booked a booked a small role on Blood and Oil, and went one season got canceled. Yeah, but a small. I was in the pilot, and and even Everybody. your lines were cut from the pilot, and people on the on the improv team that we were on were like. I told Austin's got these I didn't want anybody roles. to know because I knew I was like I swear to God like yeah just reading it I was like I know this character is so expendable like it's just it was like a bull crap like 
banter thing across a room, and uh, I was like, if they're gonna cut oh, yeah. any minutes down, like I'm yeah. easily gone. You're and so gone. yeah. But some people did yeah, like just I don't know through passing found out or something, and I was like, dang it. Uh huh. No, I remember shooting on uh, the same time in Utah. I was shooting on Arrest Development, and everything that we were shooting, I was like, oh, this is all gonna get cut. <laughs> There's no. This is such a stupid joke that we did this whole setup for me to talk about Mexico. It all felt so cuttable. And like, even now, I'll be like, brought up on stage and they'll like, list the credit because it's on my IMDb. And I'm like, it's maybe four lines that I have <laughs> in addition to walking around a bunch and a bunch of reaction shots. It's maybe throughout the three episodes, it's maybe four lines total. It's all cuttable stuff. It's, it's, fu- it's funny when it happens, when you just kind of know going into it, but then seeing that friends and family reaction to like, I, I, can't, I was listening to the Good Place podcast, and there's one of the writers, because Mike Schur just throws yeah. the writers in for like teeny things, or if they literally just need a body, he'll just be like, you yeah. go do this. And there's one of the writers who doesn't even say a line. It's in one of the reboots in season two where the door opens and he just waves. He's on the screen for five seconds. And he's like, that episode aired, and my phone exploded. And he's like, I stood on the screen and waved, and then the next thing was a dog. He's like, I, I did nothing, and oh yeah, it, it's funny to see that when you recognize it, like, yeah, it's not. Yeah, we, you, yeah, you forget how big of a deal it is outside of this. Yeah. We're always like uh, comparing ourselves to other actors that are like, mm. oh, yeah, they're in a full series or doing a whole character arc, and me coming on and be like, sir, the mail's ready. Which, what even <laughs> line is that even from? What do you mean that mail's ready? No one talks like that. But um, yeah, we just see like how much of a better job you could have had. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I just did something where it's like soldiers, and it's like a, it's like a big show, but and I was like cast as like one of the soldiers and i i die pretty early on but i just kept thinking about the other soldiers that don't die i'm like no that would be nice (laughs) (laughs) i can't remember the actor but i remember reading on one of those imdb rants where you're like i followed started on one actor went to Uh a movie and then a director and sutton you're somewhere down the rabbit hole right back to like what are your exes working on (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i was on like a terrence malick like vein and uh one of his movies he filmed the whole thing I can't remember the actor. He's a big name actor. They were like the lead, and then yeah. he screened it, and he wasn't even in it. Mm-hmm. And it was like you just cut him out of the whole movie, and he was like a lead role or a strong supporting type yeah. of role. And but Terrence Malick is Th- kind of known for doing that. That to a major kind of actress too on like the last X Men movie. She like got cut. She, she got cut out of it, and like she's um, I can't even think of her, what her name is now. But she had like supposedly like this big role and everything, and it completely it hurts on out. <laughs> any level I, I remember like one of the first jobs i got out here was like a verizon campaign and there was like five commercials and it was a whole group of us and it was like you know maybe six people in the group and we we're also just be like uh myth busters type they're like testing out how good verizon signals is and we did two two commercials and then i got fired everyone stayed on except me Got fired, <laughs> and I'm like 20. Did they say why? Just moved or? out here. Uh, it was like a money thing, and I looked too much like the Verizon guy because uh, I was in glasses, uh-huh. and I had like the same haircut. They said it looked. I looked probably something else. I was probably just 20 and a nightmare <laughs> person to be around, <laughs> and like they just didn't need it. You just look at you create stuff, and you're like, oh, there's gonna be six bodies in there. Right. There's probably something just as small as that, or um. 
there's nothing I can point to, but it hurts so much to be like, everyone but you is moving on <laughs> to these commercials. <laughs> yeah. And that's all of it. So I never announce anything until like, I know it's airing that yeah. night. You got to give us more of a heads up. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'll <laughs> tell you about the rerun, but yeah. So I, I, I did love one of the most recent roles you had, though, in a, in the movie on Netflix where you're the, the what is it, the world's quietest world's rapper. world's quietest rapper, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that's what it got boiled down to. It's essentially his like mom is upstairs, so he's trying to rap but still do it. But it got shared by like the meme accounts online and like a world star type things. Just that clip yeah. taken out of context, which has been great. I, I laughed so hard just right when I saw the clip. My wife was like, yeah, we need to go and watch this because it was just so, so funny just how every actor in that scene <laughs> is you just completely bust out this whisper oh, rap yeah. through them. And they're all just like, yeah. Just oh, so- yeah. <laughs> there's so many. They have to use one of the, There's no take where we're not all breaking after the end of it. <laughs> so, you know, if you watch it again, they'll, they'll cut away from me. And then they cut to uh, Matt Shively, who does break in the scene. And that was just the only take that we had. <laughs> That's the least we all broke, is that one. <laughs> just because it's so stupid. It's such a cartoonish choice. But you can only do that in a Happy Madison movie. Yeah. The, like, if that was even in an acting class you'd be like what no <laughs> insane to, to me the du- the dumber the joke is the better it, it brings me that yeah. much more joy yeah when fully committed it's it's the commitment because yeah. you do a dumb <laughs> joke then it's like well this was dumb and painful to watch right yeah. but, but if it's someone who like they fucking went for it and it's so stupid then it's like hilarious right yeah that's really why weird. you know it's there's a lot of problems with Adam Sandler movies as far as like the sexism, but that's why I've always loved them. It's just like you know what you're getting into. It's gonna be the stupidest thing that's committed very hard. It's a lot of just his friends that need work. It's great. <laughs> One of the loosest table reads I've ever been to. Just Adam Sandler in stained basketball shorts, lounging on a broken office chair, <laughs> shouting out jokes that were, you know, pretty good, and they made it into the script. It was great. I've never seen someone interrupt a table read before. Usually you do the read, and then there's, like, notes about who's going to yeah, get fired yeah. and what jokes can be better. And he's just, just, just circling in this... I just the chair like, was breaking in real time. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear it breaking. <laughs> and what if he's in the back and he's naked and it's a hot tub? And then that was like the opening scene of the movie. <laughs> great. Oh, that's great. So again, yeah. Moses, I'm, I'm so glad you were able to take the time. Yes, to do thank this. you for having so me. I, I know you've even got shows uh, later tonight that you've yep. got to got to get to. And if you put this out tonight, I'll plug the shows. <laughs> Three shows tonight. We- put it out now. It, it, it's up now. We're, we're doing this live. Right. What, what am I saying? Mm. <laughs> so it's, it will be going up next week, though. So anything you have coming next week? Oh, we're doing our Team Coco show, the last one of the year, uh, Dynasty Typewriter, at 8 o'clock. Awesome. In Los Angeles. Who are your guests next for next week? Uh, they're bigger guests. We don't can't really announce them yet because they might okay. cancel. That's yeah. why people get very mad at us mm-hmm. yeah. when they buy tickets why they and they there? cancel. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Conan will be there. So you're going to see Conan do stand-up. Which is like that's enough to it, buy a ticket. It it absolutely is. Right? Having seen it a few times, his it, Nazi was great in San Diego. That was pretty funny. Yeah, no, and to see him go dirty too. Yeah, it's great. That's yeah. great. And, and there's always the chance too that I know Flula joins you here and there. And yeah, he's Flula so great. is just a he's a. 
creature in and of itself. <laughs> uh-huh. He's very fun to perform with. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And where can everybody find you on uh, on uh, social media? Uh, everything's at Moses Storm. Okay, perfect. Yeah. No one else wanted that name. Can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> no one else was like, that's stupid. So I got it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Moses. Yeah, thanks, thanks for man. having me, guys. Thank you.